Hey everyone, this, believe it or not, is Like Trees Walking. This is a podcast. I am Michael J. Nelson, and with me is... Uh, is the reverend... Uh, can I... Hello? Hello? You can hear me in... Oh, there we go. Thank you. You might have been able to hear me in Mike's mic. <sighs> you Folks, could. You could. A, Let me just say... It's a technology disaster this morning. You know... With Mike. Gremlins, that old thing that people used to, when they get in their plane... Pilots talk about gremlins. We might have mentioned this on the show before. No, we have not. They, they, they couldn't... Just everything is not working, and then suddenly it just works. It's like, it's a gremlin. It's unexplainable. It's inexplicable. It's a modern thing we have to deal with. That's what we have been dealing with today. But we're cheerful through all of our gremlins. The movie Gremlins, one and two. Two great movies. Mogwais? Is that what their names were? I just when, before you, when you know when you got them wet before they became oh they were mogwais after I, you got them wet I, I mean. just remember Gizmo Gizmo was the like cute one right yes yeah, yeah. who like killed them or whatever <laughs> yeah it's been a long time since I've seen the Gremlins one or two <laughs> anyway explain what the show is and I'm gonna keep looking at the you know we're gonna keep working this, this I'm, out. so I'm uh, I don't know if I've introduced myself but or or you've introduced yourself you're Michael I said James. my name okay. I didn't really say what we were or I'm anything, so. I'm David Berge I'm a pastor Mike is a parishioner uh, we've known each other for a little bit of time we get together and we talk about um, we talk about the big issues of um, life faith uh, Christianity man humanity man's inhumanity to man um and we which is our favorite topic yeah uh you know oftentimes we will see how these intersect with something that's going on um in the contemporary world but our desire is for these podcasts to be at least somewhat evergreen um and stand on their own and so that yeah we're not offering uh we're offering not not hot takes but um but cool takes like the great cooling saucer where that what isn't that how they what they call the united states senate it's like Right, exactly. That's We're, the, yeah, the, uh, well, first of all, it's the most, what is it? The most distinguished deliberative, deliberative body, body in the world. world. <laughs> that is a, t- oh boy, that's tough to believe. But yeah. hey, again, we're not, we're not offering hot takes here. Nope, cool. We are the cooling saucer that's right of takes right here on like trees walking. Uh, uh, so, Along those lines, we have a, a very important thing, especially to us. Ex- but again, we invite all. To, this will I think, I think it'll be, be interesting, interesting for everyone. To everyone, yes, yeah, and of it's course. and it fits the. We are releasing this episode right before Christmas, and so we like to you know keep with the like just like their Star Wars even had their own Christmas special. We want to have our own like trees walking. Oh, no, they Christmas did not. How dare you! That was not a Christmas special. Oh, it was a holiday. Special. Was it the holiday <laughs> it special? The, Is that what did it they was call the it? holiday special? And it was celebrating Life Day. You've, between the two of us, and I'm the Star Wars fan, between the two of us, there's only one of us who's actually ever watched the Star Wars holiday special. You've never seen the Star Wars holiday special? I've seen five minutes of it. Man, I'd like to get through an episode of Like Trees Walking without mentioning Star Wars, because currently, this will mean nothing to everyone else. For my other job, I'm watching the movie Solo, so... How is it? Oh, it's... I... Words cannot express... (laughs) My loathing for this movie, but look, that's that's old stuff. We're 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 backtracking. Yeah, we need don't. to. This is a fresh start. This is Christmas, so we're going to talk about that. So this is Christmas. I do. That is my. Uh, I recently was talking with someone just about how when you hate a Christmas song, there's n- almost nothing that, in terms of music, that people hate as much as a Christmas song that they hate. Oh yeah, didn't we do? We did a sh- a short thing on that. We I think did. You brought we, that song up before. I think we should do worst 
top five worst Christmas songs ranked. That'll be our department. I'm springing this on you at the end, but this can be an extra bonus department. Okay, this is a bonus department. It's for our, for our Once subscribers. Once I go back and check that we didn't already do this. I feel like we did not do the five worst, and even if we I did... I know that yours came up before, and then you talked about how much you hated that. I got a new one to add to the list. We probably talked about this, but I think we can talk about it. It's been years, folks. Perpetually. We can't, yeah, we can't... Um, and I th- believe I brought up that my son... Uh, do you know the song? I think it's the Andrews Sisters. Would you like to spend Christmas on yeah, Christmas you said that, yeah. Island? Yeah, that he would wake up in a rage if we put that song out. So it was a good way to get him to go to school. <laughs> but anyway, that's not what we're going to talk about. But in the second half, that's a bonus for the second half. Uh, we're also going to settle what is a hot, hot issue on the Internet. Now, look, it is timeless because this we're going to be talking about... I, I, it's a classic film, and there's a very, very hot dispute right now. This dispute's been raging for it years. It has for years. But it's heated up to the point where we need the cooling saucer. Cooling, <laughs> yes, the cooling saucer. Cooling, the cooling saucer. Bowl. Cooling bowl. So we'll uh, deal with that in the second half. But first, big, important stuff. Take it away, Pastor Dave. Well, I would just like to start off by saying that so we're going to be talking about Christmas, the Christmas story, the birth of course, jeez. I feel like microphone. Mike. I feel like Mike. <laughs> That's a gremlin stuff around. There's a, a gremlin, gremlin in here. Uh, so the, we're going to be talking about the Christmas story, the birth of Christ, uh, and it's classic. It's the most classic rendition of it that we get uh, from the Bible, but also from uh, Linus in uh, in in the, the Peanuts Christmas. That's so good. I have an ornament that does that, and it's just our favorite. So thing the, in the world. Luke, you know, the Luke and Luke's version of the birth story of Christ. You know, that's where we get the. Um, the classical kind of picture of Jesus born in a in a manger, and and when we get the magi. That's that all comes in from and the star that comes from Matthew. So our, our popular understanding of Christmas is a is a harmonization and amalgamation of those two stories. But I'm going to focus on Luke and version, and I'm just going to say that one of our, our our most popular understandings of the Christmas story is wrong. It is dead wrong, what? and I am going to debunk. I'm going to myth bust your understanding. Of of Christ's birth, oh, folks. are you are you ruining my childhood? Oh, I'm ruining many childhoods. You're gonna go into your uh, living room, uh, maybe above your mantle or your your hearth. You're gonna take your crash scene if you have one. You're gonna smash it to pieces. No, you're gonna do Tommy Wiseau, the room, <laughs> to pick it up and just scream and throw it out the window. Yeah, and you're gonna go lies, lies. I've been everybody told, betray me. <laughs> Yeah. So you have been sold, folks, a pack of lies. For, oh no! For your this is lives. very disappointing. Start to our, <laughs> our Christian special. podcast yeah, of well, Christmas. So listen, uh, folks. It, uh, the truth. You know why some people don't like the truth? Because the truth hurts. Oh, you can't handle <laughs> the truth. <laughs> exactly. So let us turn. Um, open your open <laughs> in your pew Bibles. <laughs> is this going to be? Is this just Buzzfeed clickbait? And you're gonna, you won't believe what happens next. Yeah, wait till you see the third one. <laughs> okay, so no, I, I just in, for, in order for this to make sense, I'm going to read the first Luke chapter two, okay, uh, verses one through seven. The real punchline comes at the end, but we, we need to get the whole thing. Okay, here we go. In there. <clears throat> <clears throat> In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee 
from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. All right, Mike. That is, oh, sorry, <laughs> another gremlin. That is the, yeah, that's the most familiar. That's, oh, yeah. Oh, so we picture lovely. the story. So let's let's walk through the story, our popular understanding story. And I have believed this for years and years and years and years. And in fact, one of my favorite uh, authors, uh, uh, Frederick Beekner, um, he you know has this wonderful like these kind of short stories, almost short little sermonic vignettes about mm-hmm. the different characters in in the in the Christmas in the Christmas story and and kind of their perspective and telling them it's really really wonderful I love it and he has this one about the the innkeeper you know and so we see sure. Mary and Joseph and here she is she's pregnant and and she's riding on this donkey and Joseph is leading this donkey into Bethlehem and they get there and they're this you know this poor cold couple uh she is with child in the in this state of almost giving birth right. and they go door to door right and what happens and they knock on the door of the inn and what does the innkeeper do what does he say there is no room at the inn there's no room at the inn and so they go to bethlehem and they are not even received with any dignity no one treats them with hospitality or kindness and so they have to go to a, a barn a stable as we've heard from Contemporary preachers, they, they were the first homeless couple. They who were, were turned away. They were, they were a homeless. Uh, yeah, they were a homeless couple turned yeah. away, um, rejected, rejected, and so they had to go to a barn, and uh, and Jesus was born in a barn. Yeah, there's straw all around. Well, we all know. We all come exactly. On. You have a picture in your mind, of course. Yes, but there's just there's just there's just one little problem with this, Mike. Hang on, let me take a big <laughs> sip of coffee, and then you can tell me what the problem is. I don't see any problem, but here we go. Mike, there's just one problem with that. It's all, it's not true. What? It doesn't appear to me. And so here, folks, I'm relying on the wonderful work of uh, now the late great, uh, a man named Kenneth Bailey. And and so Kenneth Bailey, he was a, um, he was a, a biblical scholar. And uh, also a, a Presbyterian missionary to the Middle East. He taught for um, decades in the Middle East. He taught um, at, a, at a theological uh, seminary, a Christian seminary in the Middle East. And so he spent most of his adult life living um, as a Westerner in the Middle East. So just a deep, deep appreciation for Middle Eastern culture. And, and he helps uh, bring that perspective on on the the Christian story. It, it, it helps make sense of a lot of things that we're so culturally distant from that he says, no, within a Middle Eastern culture, when my students are reading uh, these stories, this is what resonates with them and sure. jumps out to them. So it's right. really, really helpful. Um, and, and so he says, well, listen, when we understand, we understand uh, Semitic culture and uh, how important hospitality is within that. And the fact that, uh, you know, that the the Joseph and Mary are returning to their hometown, to their ancestral homeland, and how tight-knit those communities were, and and um, not just familially, but they're also, you know, devout, practicing Jews. And so when you return to your small town um, and your tight-knit religious community, and your wife is is pregnant with a child, I mean, what—we'll get into the uh, translation issues that make this point, you know, that really drive this point home, but what are the odds— that this family is going to return home um, 
and receive absolutely no hospitality from the And especially the on, on Christmas. The, on I mean, <laughs> people are, are even more They're in the Christmas ready to spirit. open their homes. And yeah. You know, maybe the, the only argument again that would be, well, you know, it was a scandalous situation and she was with, she was pregnant. She was with child. So, you know, they would have been rejected because they had violated these community norms or standards. And we, we, you know, I, I think that's a, a, a real stretch. And I mean, they were betrothed. Like this was not, uh, people got pregnant before they got married. Um, this has happened for what? <laughs> this has happened for a you long, are blowing my mind. Exactly. This has happened for a long, long time. And so, and so, well, well, there were certainly scandal associated with it. It was not like they had no relationship or something like that. They were as good as married, um, almost within the eyes of, of that culture. But so Bailey says the odds, just in understanding that culture, the odds that they would experience no hospitality, um, you know, from from their from their kindred and their and their kinsfolk, he goes. That is just straining credulity, and that's a that's a uh, a slander needless slander upon the good people of of Bethlehem. And he says, you know, it's not clear within the text itself when they, it says that when when they got there, well, then the time arose. So it's not clear how much before Jesus was born that they actually got to Bethlehem. And we know that that Mary has a a cousin, Elizabeth, who is having a child, John the Baptist. So, uh, you know, that that if they needed to go find some hospitality, they would have had time to go make arrangements and go stay with her family, if need be, given the situation. And so it makes, in our traditional understanding of the story it makes the people of bethlehem seem like jerks jerks it makes joseph seem like a kind of a he's not the best husband he's not the best at providing a good you know situation for his wife uh, uh to 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 have this child but what what really seals it for me is at the end it's in verse seven where so we have this traditional picture of jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger and folks i'm not gonna that our traditional picture of jesus laying in some kind of feeding trough we get to keep that and in fact, we can keep the animals that are around him. I mean, not all of them, but uh, but the friendly beast. That's one of my great. That's one of the great Christmas. You know, sure. I said the donkey. We get to keep all that. Uh, uh, but it, it says, you know, they, the reason that he was laid there is because there was no room for them in the inn. Right. Well, that word for inn is a really interesting word and when we think of inn we think of a hotel hostel you know some kind of public space where you can rent out a room well sure. luke uses this word for inn another time and in fact he actually uses the word that we understand and translate as inn he uses a different word when he's talking about what we think of as an inn or as a hotel or motel or whatever hotel motel holiday inn um so and that word occurs in the parable of the good samaritan when, uh, you know, the Good Samaritan, what does he do? He sees this guy beat up on the side of the road. He takes him and brings him to an inn, and he pays the innkeeper, gives the innkeeper an advance, says, here's the advance, take care of him. And in fact, at the end of the day, if I owe you any more money, I'm going to come back and I'm going to square yeah. it up. Going on a business trip, give him the, the oil and the bandages. Here you go. Here's a couple of dollars for you too, buddy. <laughs> yeah, and if tucks, I'll be back. Tucks it in his waistband and, and heads off. <laughs> exactly. And that's an inn. And Luke does not use that word here in this passage. He uses another word, which he uses this word for in later when Jesus is preparing to celebrate the Last Supper, what we know now as the Last Supper, when he's preparing to celebrate the Passover um, in the you know in the area around Jerusalem. He says, "Go and and find procure for ourselves a room." 
And so what he's talking about is there was no room for them in the guest room. Uh, because these these ancient uh, peasant houses, they basically had two rooms. You had the front of the house. You'd come right in. It would be lower. It would be a space where you could bring in your, if you're a peasant, you could bring in your few animals, your couple animals that you had. For the evening, they would sleep inside your house. That would protect them from being stolen or wandering away. Mm-hmm. And also, they provide nice, is there a nice, like a nice source of heat Yeah, in, in the winter. Um, you know, like the in dogs. In a desert climb, yeah. That cold, oh, yeah, it gets cold you, oh, at night. so cold. So you want to have as much, you know, b- body heat helps uh, heat the home. And, and, and so that was a lower room. And then you'd go up, and in a traditional house, most of them just maybe had one big open room where, every, you know, the cooking, the eating, the sleeping, mm-hmm. um, everything happened in this one room. But, but, but uh, some homes also had either on the roof or um, you could expand onto your house, the classic backyard bump out. <laughs> um, <laughs> they were already doing that. Did they have drive-by cuties back then? What is a drive-by cutie? Oh, that's one. It's like curb appeal. You oh, know, really? Like, it's just a phrase oh, that, that realtors made up. Yes. Sorry, go ahead. I love it. So they, <laughs> we've got this drive-by cutie in Bethlehem exactly, yes. with a, with a the backyard bump out. Yeah. So this word is the same word for, it's the word for guest room. So that some of these houses would have had also a room uh, divided from the main living room where, you know, if guests showed up, you could house them in that. Mm-hmm. And so, but when you're talking about village life and you're talking about large families and even large extended family networks, and we know that uh, Luke tells us this is a time when people were returning to their ancestral villages to register. So you'd have this influx of people returning to their ancestral homeland. So uh, lots of demands possibly being placed on the hospital of the folks who live in the village, it would make sense why there might arise a situation in which the guest room was already full because they were already showing hospitality. But uh, whoever these folks were who hosted Joseph and Mary gave them whatever room that they had, and and this was in the main living room. And so this Luke is explaining for us why was Jesus laid in, in this manger? Because there were these feeding troughs that were basically separate in the barrier between the uh, the place where the animals would stand for the night and where the main family living room was. And this was a very appropriate place uh, to place the child after he had been born because he wasn't born in the guest room. Oh, he was born in the main living room right next to uh, these feeding troughs that were filled with straw. A great place to lot to, to place a baby. So there's no, the understanding that kind of a modern thing would be like, hey, look, sorry, man, you showed up too late. You can stay in my garage, I guess. <laughs> Have your baby on the lawnmower is like not, this yeah, is that's not, not a picture of no. what, okay. No. This was actually a, a kind thing. Like, this it's was, just a, a space, we're just moving people around where we can yeah. to accommodate them. Yes, it's saying we'll yeah. do what we can to accommodate you. Our guest, oh no, you know, our, for whatever reason the situation was, our guest space is already full, but we're gonna make we're gonna make space for you um, because we we want to show you whatever hospitality it's possible for us to show. Right. So, I mean, when you think about it, like you read the text, and now as I rethink it, there is no word that says but. These jerks said, right? There's no, no there's no. nothing that would say that. It's just sort of a weird, it's just kind of come down through osmosis, through the ages that, oh, they got kicked out. Yeah. And and uh, and, and then um, when you read further on and the shepherds, the, the angels appear to the shepherds, they say, go to this place, see where this child's born. And they go and shepherds uh, at that point in time were, were at least 
debatably, but I think it's true. They were seen as it's an unclean profession. Um, you know, these were dirty people or they were, you know, they were shifty. They were always walking around with uh, animals grazing on public lands. And so there was reasons that it was a, a, a reviled, uh, at least to some degree, profession. They were, you know, they went to the house to see where the child was. They were welcomed and received um, into this home to see this child. And Bailey makes the further point saying, that the shepherds themselves, seeing the situation of the child and the mother, they weren't shocked and going, oh, my God, they're not receiving any hospital. You know, they didn't offer right. their own I, hospitality. because I he can't says, believe you're out here. Yeah, you guys are just... In a machine shed. <laughs> exactly. Like, come, you know, come, come with us. Come to my home. And so Bailey says, uh, given his understanding of, of Middle Eastern uh, culture and the importance of hospitality, that the obligation is on you to, you know, if you see someone in a situation where hospitality is not being extended to them, that that is extremely shameful um, for your community. And so you would, you know, if you saw someone in a situation like that, especially a, a, a newborn baby and mother, that you would offer them a place to go and stay, that 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 that, that would be a social obligation um, in an honor-shame culture right. like that. And so the the people of they were obviously the shepherds didn't see anything wrong with that situation that they had to rectify. Go, oh, yep, stay with us. Now you've just blown everybody's minds, which was your your goal. Yeah, well done. What theologically, what difference does this make? And since everyone is out there weeping and and burning their uh, their creches or whatever, is that a crash? Is that right? That's creches, right? That's the okay, French word yeah, for okay. cradle. Yeah. Um, now what what comfort what sucre do you offer them well i think it's a how does this work theologically <laughs> I think is it, it any difference whatsoever no i, I mean I, I don't think anything hinged on it, you could say that there was people would find these parallels obviously christ at the end of his life is rejected um sure <laughs> you know that that so so trying saying well he was even rejected at the at the at the beginning that's not true because jesus was uh his message uh, and and his ministry was received by by the humble you know peasants of Palestine that that's who he was born amongst and and that's who he brought the good news of God's kingdom to and you know even amongst uh, the simple people today you know that Christ's message finds a home there and so though he is rejected within the halls of of power of religious authority and political authority Christ's message finds. Um, finds a home in the hearts of those who are simple and will will receive him like these simple humble uh, peasant pe- peasant people who who you know experience this remarkable birth and so i think it it does speak to the uh, incarnation um taking place you know god becoming flesh in in humble circumstances you know that 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 paul talks about in philippians that though he was you know in the form of God, he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he humbled himself, taking on the form of a slave. And so this is the humility of of the incarnation, um, an example of that. And also the shepherds being welcome into this home and seeing that, it's it's a, an example of, of the unclean coming to Christ and seeing God's glory and, and, and being made clean as well. So I think it has deep theological resonances um, with the rest of the uh, life and, and work of Christ and, and the reality and mystery of the incarnation. Well, that's great. As long as you don't tell me that this did not happen on December 25th, I'll be fine. My faith will not be rocked. And then as long as you tell me that 
the visit of the Magi happened on the same night. I'm going to be just fine. <laughs> was, they all were. They, all, they, all, they were we all, all. No, of course. They all showed up at the same they time. Showed up at the same time. We talked. Did we, ta- we? I think we talked about this on the podcast, didn't we? we why it's we December twenty fifth? Yes. Yeah. Well, that was the Stephen Fry. That was a year ago. The Stephen Fry. Yeah. The garbage. Stephen Fry episode. Yeah. He has yeah. still not retracted that on cue. Was that what it's called? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. So. They, so. Uh, they weren't. They were not mean, mean innkeeper jerks. For, in all likelihood, um, you can't mm. get. You can't get that from the text itself. What it seems from the text itself is that uh, whoever hosted them made whatever room they could. Uh, there was no room in the guest room, but there was room in the family room, which happened to be right next to uh, where the, right where the where the feeding trough was in the simple peasant Palestinian. So home. to make a very modern reference that will resonate with all of our listeners, he's not. The innkeeper's not Basil Faulty going, I don't know, Faulty why don't you just sleep in the barn for all I care? <laughs> right, he's not. It's This was a welcoming thing. Yes, it was. You're welcome to stay in this room. Well, that's nice. I feel that that enhances my understanding of the Christmas story. It does not detract from it. Oh, good. And you get to keep, you do get to keep because the family would have had animals. And they spoke inside. at midnight, right? <laughs> yes. It's in the text, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes. <laughs> but we get to keep the ox and and. And ass and lamb keeping time, pa pum pum. The drummer boy, he's he did show up, right? He's there, That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. The finest gift. What a gift to bring. Now you have you have children. I do. Did if in the hospital a drummer boy had showed up <laughs> and played his drum for you, would that have been a welcome thing for you? <laughs> what if it was uh, maybe a djembe, like a little light djembeing, would have been okay? But I mean, this—I don't know—in the uh, hospital, it, w- it would be tough to get like through a snare, those. a snare core. I think would be that would <laughs> a full drum and bugle core would be a really <laughs> nice way to welcome your child. I have no gift to bring. <laughs> With the trombones doing the you know the movements and everything, yeah. I'd like Kids that. are weird though. Babies are weird. Sometimes things that are obnoxious to us soothe them, put them out. What was what would be an example of that? My children. Oh, I guess. Being on a dryer is kind yeah, of weird. Dry, like we, like, we don't like sleeping on dryers no. generally. If that if I'm sleeping on a dryer, there's something deeply or, wrong with my or marriage. They can, just so. sleep, they can sleep. Yeah, <laughs> you're not even in, you're not even on the couch. You're on the dryer. <laughs> this is the the third or fourth stage of this marriage. Is He's in, trouble. in that doghouse. Yeah. Like, um, but kids love it. Yeah. They love the dryer. They love uh, sometimes like you'll be watching and. Something loud will be happening, and they—I guess—they sleep through stuff. Maybe that's more. Uh, maybe that's more what I. Mean. I I will say that I have been to really loud movies. You know where they—it's just an action movie, which is not my bag. I don't really like. I don't watch a lot of action movies, and uh, so when I go to one, sometimes my reaction will be to just like get kind of sleepy and just doze off for the middle part where they're. You know, bombing I think New York so for much, the 400th time. It's the overwhelming, the sensor, like your senses are yeah. overwhelmed, so it makes you tired. Yeah. I, I think we brought our kids once to a, a Dave and Buster's, you know, which is like oh, a, wow. oh, yeah. a Chuck E. Cheese kind of a, <laughs> uh, overwhelming, just like, it's like being in Vegas when you're a little kid, right? And my one son just like kind of freaked out and fell asleep on, first he freaked out, then he just like went over and fell asleep. <laughs> so I think there is a, uh, yeah. So there's various responses to these uh, stimulus. Stimuli. Stimuli. Very. Yeah. <laughs> That's immediately what my mind jumped to, so I keep forgetting that first. All right. All right anything so there else we go. to add to the... So Christmas myths busted. 
Christmas debunked. Tell that to tell that to grandma as she's you know cutting the ham. That's exactly what we want you to take away from this: is go to your Christmas meals and just like disturb your family members with stories about go, everything um, they believe. You know, well, actually, um, you know, it wasn't um, the word for in is the same as the word that they use for the upper room. So, so everyone's too well, actually, their family. That's a good, great day. <laughs> it's the Christmas spirit. <laughs> No, I find it uh, fun and good to know the the because these things are, I mean, people try to debunk your Christmas with weird stories of like we've talked about with the you know the Stephen Fry thing and there yeah. are other things about. Did you know that it probably didn't? It's like yeah, I there are elements of it that I don't understand. But stop trying to steal away the general. We understand that there's sound theology behind all of this, and we get it. If the details, if someone holds a little detail that's wrong, it doesn't mean you should shatter their the lives. Whole, the, the whole, whole thing. thing goes yeah. down the tubes. But um, I love it. All right. Uh, we're going to take a little break, and then we'll be back and uh, solve a great, great and fiery mystery that, uh, wow, disturbs people so much more than this Christmas thing <laughs> in a moment. <laughs> right. This is like trees walking. So long, silent movies, the quiet dances on the screen. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening, and to all of you who have discovered this podcast recently, uh, uh, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you, and your Christmas gift to this podcast uh, could be going to Apple Podcasts, giving us a rating and a review. We really appreciate it. I uh, especially love reading the reviews. Those are always, um, always, always uh, entertaining, um, and uh, especially people's bizarre screen names. Those are also very interesting to read as well. Thanks for everyone who, who reaches out on, on the social so um, on Facebook, uh, uh, like Trees Walking Podcast, ltwpod.com, or uh, Twitter, um, uh, ltwpod, at ltwpod. On there, um, we, we, I try to, if there's some questions, answer those there if, um, if I can. So thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for the encouragement. And uh, please uh, share this with someone you think might find this interesting. And uh, we'll keep making them um, as long as you keep listening, or even if you don't, we might just, if, even if it's into a void, we will keep making these podcasts. So, but thank you so much for your support. Let's get back to the show. And we are back. And you know what? We wish you a like trees walking Christmas. Join me, Dave. We, we wish, wish you a like trees walking Christmas. We wish you a like trees walking Christmas. Happy New Year. Okay. We'd like some wassail, though, if you could, you know, if you could drum up some wassail. What is wassail? I don't know. I, I thought you, you knew. Figgy pudding? Have you ever had figgy pudding? Um, I'm generally not being British. I stay away from puddings of all sorts, since they <laughs> usually involve some sort of blood you know, pudding, meat or uh, glutinous uh, uh, dissolved meat products. Um, but anyway, this is like trees walking. We're back. You just heard the appeal from uh, Pastor David Berge, the Right Reverend. I am Michael J. Nelson. Uh, you got your Christmas lesson. I hope you have swabbed away the tears. And you're ready to face the new reality that Dave has you living in. I think it's fine. I have uh, splashed a little cold water on my face and I'm ready to go. And now we're ready to take on an even more important issue. Now I will state up front 
For some of you, you will probably say, I am tired of dealing with this. This is so old and this is settled. But a lot of us don't live on the internet every single day. We're not extremely online. <laughs> and so uh, this is one that's you know been argued back and forth. I don't know where it started. For generations. I don't, don't want to trace this. I don't want to go <laughs> to learn your meme or whatever, the know your meme. Or yeah. Uh, it's just that this issue comes up at parties and things like that. And it is, let's put it to bed. It's the, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I know this is hack, but we have to settle it so that we don't have to talk about it again. Is that this right? This is our rainbow suspenders of uh, <laughs> of this podcast. We are pushing up our sleeves and standing against a brick wall <laughs> and doing our schlocky comedy hack routine. But there it is. Um, with pride. With pride. Uh, so, so, the so question, state your yeah, state the premise, and then let us state our conclusions because we don't know what one another thinks about it. So this could just fizzle and go away immediately, or it could be a fiery thing that breaks up this podcast. <laughs> so let's let's have it. What's the proposition? The proposition is Die Hard is a Christmas movie. That would be my. That's your. That, that's, that's the my, proposition. That's my proposition. To which we vote yay or nay. Correct. Uh, my vote. Strong, strong, nay. Strong, <laughs> of course, nay. it is not a Christmas. How can you? How can you say that? I mean, what? How? Why? How? Make your case. Is um, is To Kill a Mockingbird an Arbor Day movie? What? That makes no sense. The, no, it takes place over Arbor Day. There's, how does Arbor Day feature in the plot? It doesn't feature that much, but so what? It's still. It's possible that Arbor Day was in it. Therefore. It's an Arbor Day movie. Is Groundhog Day a Groundhog Day movie? Well, yes. <laughs> well, again, what does that have to do with anything? Quid pro or ipso facto, Die Hard is a Christmas movie because it features so prominently. It's called Christmas Hard yes. Die Day? Yes, exactly. <laughs> no. Come on. Look, first of all, you have lost the popular vote. You should know that. I just saw that the poll that they do... Yearly, that pulled thousands, strongly give the thumbs down to it being a Christmas movie. These people have probably so, not well, watched Die Hard in all right, a well, long, go ahead. long time. Give, I watched it last Christmas, in fact. Uh, I, My wife and I watched Die Hard. Give us your... First of all, a pastor. Should he be watching this movie? There are so many swears in yippee this. yippee <laughs> All right. Okay. So many swears. <laughs> Um, uh, uh, you know, I got to engage culture, Mike. So how am I supposed to do sure, that? Sure. I'm just watching yeah, Kirk Cameron excuse. movies. Yeah. Or, uh, so I, I, speaking of inspiring people to watch movies, I, this, uh, this podcast got someone to watch Christian Mingle and they, cur- no way. And they cursed me for it, but oh. they did, they discovered that the set for, uh, Mexico, like the mission work in Mexico is, is the same, from, um, arrested development. Like no, <laughs> yes. wait. That's a place. Is that must be there's a, like on the studio lot. Or yeah, something? it's on the wow. studio okay. lot. It's absolutely amazing. But anyways, so my so I have a, a strong per, a person. I I don't need to make this argument. Someone a, a cultural news icon has made this argument already. I think he's an honest broker, respected by both sides. Uh, Jake Tapper, and uh, it says Jake in the headline I'm reading says Jake Tapper just destroyed anyone who says that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. <laughs> You clicked on that. I did. That oh, that <laughs> the, got me to the click. The destroyed uh, And Jake Tapper, he had this amazingly beautiful, uh, uh, this like tweet thread that he had of, um, of and it's like the, the night before Christmas. And so I'm going to let Jake make my argument. Twas the night before Christmas at Nakatomi Tower, when our story of homecoming begins with brute power. At Los Angeles Airport, meet our Savior McLean. With toys for his kids, he disembarks from his plane. 
to to see that it's uh, to not see that this tale's about Christmas is folly. Did I mention that Mrs. McLean's name is Holly? <laughs> How about some Christmas music? McLean asks of Argyle. That is Christmas music. The driver says with a smile to reunite with Holly. His aim is shared with shy laughter. Twould be a holiday miracle to last ever after. You throw quite a party, says John to Tug. Tagaki-san. I didn't know they Christmas in Japan. Uh, that's pretty bad. Oh. <laughs> John is weary from travel. Holly offers a bed. Well, down in the lobby, the guard's shot in the head. In Theo, in Kyle, in Tony, Ed Fritz. Into the party, the armed thugs run a blitz. Argyle still waits. This time is long before Uber. Well, havoc is reaped by the evil Hans Gruber. John McLean, he escapes. Save the day, he's just gotta. Without shoes, he tracks bloods, as if bearing wounds of stigmata. One thug tries to kill him, but that German's too slow. Non- now John McLean has a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Sergeant L. Powell is told of disturbance. In response, the fake guard feigns a bit of perturbance. Does he hear anything? The answer is no, except for the song, Let It Snow. Let it snow. Merry Christmas, says Powell, not realizing the peril. Driving off while he sings a beloved Christmas carol. A corpse falls from above with a clear rationale. McLean says to the cop, welcome to the party, pal. Gruber talks to McLean, or rather he sneers. Survivor would be a miracle. He plays on his fears. The policeman is bloodied and in need of and in dire need of succor. Yippee-ki-yay, yells McLean. <laughs> Mother, you know... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> a woman hostage with child in, in in of its glory is also part of our Christmas Eve story with Johnny McSee traveling a great distance with hope and with love of fighting evil resistance. Theo, a wise man who's also quite naughty, is stealing the money in a spirit quite haughty. Ellis, the Judas, attempts an, am, an amenity by disclosing the cowboy's secret identity. McLean gets a bad feeling and asks Sergeant Powell to relate to his wife a redemptive avowal. When things panned out for her, I should have been behind her all the way, he says, thinking he'll never see the light of day. I got it, says the sergeant, but you can tell her yourself, and it seems that's as seasonal as a reindeer or elf. I hope so, but that's up to the guy upstairs, says McLean, who's traveled far for peace, but encountered only pain. If Christmas is love, rebirth, and a savior, McLean was all of the above in his diehard behavior. God was truly with him. His success was empirical. At Nakatomi, they experienced a miracle. That Die Hard is a Christmas film seems to me just a fact. I declare this without any tact. But whether you agree or your disapproval won't cease, I wish you a season of love and of peace. Ah, oh, well, nicely read. It was a good try. <laughs> Jake Tapper, ladies and gentlemen, and his Twas the Die Hard Before Christmas, which to me just sums it all up. But, all right, look, we could let it go at that. We could and probably should. But you honestly, are you convinced by that? Yes. It's a it's not but, a traditional Christmas no, movie. Come on, this is like the you know, the tomato is a fruit thing, but you wouldn't put it in a fruit salad. You are not playing this on Christmas Eve with your family. Well, that was my family. It depends on how old well, the kids you go. are. Well, is Christmas a family holiday? Yes. That's yeah, probably <laughs> I'd have to agree with that. But I mean, I watch now is is Home Alone a Christmas movie? I don't know. I've never seen it. You've never seen Home Alone? I why are you looking at me incredible? Why would I have seen Home Alone? Because it's it's like the have you you've seen Titanic, right? I have seen Titanic. Have you seen Avatar, right? I had to watch Avatar. <laughs> I wish what? I hadn't seen it. Yeah. But <laughs> 
I mean, I'm forced to watch a lot of things. It doesn't mean it was by choice. But Home Alone is like one of the biggest blockbuster movies of all time. I mean, how can you understand the culture without understanding? I can't wait till we can when we can do our uh, viral video of Mike Nelson watches Home Alone for the first that, that, time. Uh, people you would, won't believe what people would. It's such a good movie. And anyways, <laughs> but it's incredibly violent. So we watched it with our kids last year, and they were like, you know, six and and four, and our, our youngest. Is, the beautiful thing about when you have really young kids is they don't understand anything that's going on. You could show them the like most vile. And you don't have to worry. You kind of count on... Inf- you don't, I hope. No, but you can count on infant amnesia, you know, kind of like... Oh, infants. Yeah, sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 infant. yeah. yeah we expose our young children to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> brutal torture... No, 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 no. Torture videos. No, 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 no. Faces of death movies. We're like, ah, they'll forget it. No, the... <laughs> I'm glad you said that you don't no, do that. No, okay. no, no, no. But, but like, Home Alone is very extremely violent. I, I understand there's like paint buckets to the face and like tacks and it's super ice violent. And, and the like way that. they talk to each other, it's kind of that late the late eighties, early nineties. Oh, there was a lot, a lot of, of like, swears in there. Yeah. Kids swear a lot of like butt breath and that kind of like just yeah, I believe, vulgarity. Uh, uh, e. T. has a couple where it was like for my my parents were very much Does like, does he say like No swears. No Doesn't that, he say something breath in that? In E.T., the, the yeah. um, um, what's her name, Drew Barrymore, as a little kid, says something, you know, I'm not going to repeat it. We're not going to repeat not it. It's not super bad, but, but it's, it's just it's like, like it's a little kid doing it. And to to my family, that would have been shocking. Like, you don't, there was nothing. I mean, the, the dam was, mm-hmm. how dare you? Do you think you're in some sort of a bar down the street, young man? You know, it was, it was yeah, pretty strange. Sucks. That was, oh, oh. that was like horrible. Sucks was just like. Oh, get out of my house. My dad would have been, oh, that was not tolerated. So, yeah, the 80s sort of amped up that uh, saucy kids talking naughty. You know, the uh, Bad News Bears probably were in the 70s, probably yeah. were the, the, the precursors to that of just like these foul mouth kids. Like, ha get it? They're gross. But anyway, so this taking us far afield from his diary to Christmas movie, which I think I've made the compelling case that it, probably is it it's at least there's enough Christ, uh, christmas woven into it that it has great you know lots of christian themes the only theme is that it takes place at christmas and yeah so therefore there's going to be christmas stuff around but no one would say when you said to a group of people sitting in a room and you they couldn't see the titles of your dvds and you're like hey i got a big shelf full of christmas movies anyone want to see a christmas movie and you pull down die hard and just you know pop that in the dvd player how many of the people there would go, no, 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 I, I thought you meant like Miracle on 34th Street. I thought you meant It's a Wonderful Life. Is no that one's a Christmas gonna movie? Go, Is, it's a Miracle Wonderful Life? Miracle on 34th no, Street? No, It's a Wonderful Life. Is that a Christmas movie? It's almost more of a New Year movie. It's a Wonderful Life? Yeah, that's like not a Christmas. What's Christmas got to do with it? What, what are you talking when about? When does Clarence show up? Is it on Christmas Eve? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but then they sing Old Lang Syne, so I feel like it's more of a, a New Year's well, movie. It ends, they, I, but they used to sing Old Lang Syne. Chris, Christmas. Christmas is very why he flies. He flies. His brother flies in from New York on uh, Christmas. It Eve, just I happens. Oh. It just happens around. Oh, man, Christmas are, is not you, very you're central. Just deliberately to the plot. being obtuse here. Christmas is not central to the plot of. It's not central to the plot, but it just has themes of family and. Well, first of all, Christmas movies are G or. Maybe PG, but generally they should be G. But shouldn't there be some for the adults? R? 
Like, well, so like, and that doesn't mean okay, it's good. So, so Silent like, Bad Night, Santa, Deadly Night. Bad Santa is a Christmas movie. I've never seen it. I have no desire to see Bad Santa. I don't know. Just putting Santa. What about Jack Frost, the, uh, that, the snowman that is slasher? A, that is a Christmas movie. <laughs> okay. Look, I'm just going to, let's crash this episode So I think there's two, I There's think, no way we're going to. I think there's two. I think that we're, there's, is it a Christmas movie? And is it like, meaning is Christmas an important part of it? And, and there's there's kind of parallel definition. We need to parse this apart. Is it something that's like befitting of the season of Christmas that, well, that you can that watch? That would imply that when you say Christmas movie, you mean that it would be appropriate to view with a bunch of family members. Well, that or, was not, uh, that was not, well, I don't think that was something you can assume, Mike. I'm saying that now. I'm saying that is part of it. Oh, yeah. That well, is. then it's not a Christmas movie. Okay. Thank you. All right. We'll be back with more stimulating conversation. <laughs> Uh, this is Like Trees Walking. Simply I'm Michael J. Nelson. Having yeah, there you wonderful go. Christmas time. There you go. I'm going to end this right now. Well, 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 well.